Welcome, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Oline and Clint Poppy, and we're going to continue our talk about the last days. We've already um, shown from Scripture that the last days began when Jesus came and will last until he returns again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And in connection with that, I want to show from Scripture that uh, one of the teachings, because, because the last days began when Jesus came, guess what happens? Antichrist and antichrists, plural. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, you know, you guys, you know exactly where I'm going with this, is there are people who say that antichrist is only related to the very end of time. That is to say, you know, we mentioned 1948 as a benchmark date for a lot of people that supposedly got God's eschatological time clock ticking again. And so, therefore, Antichrist won't happen until after a secret, silent rapture, which, by the way, don't forget how Lindsay, in his uh, books, The Late Great Planet Earth and the 1980s Countdown to Armageddon, especially the 1980s Countdown to Armageddon book, how Lindsay predicted that the rapture would occur in 1981. Now, just run with that. And, of course, we know that didn't happen. I was born after that, in fact. (laughs) You're still here. (laughs) But what I'm doing here is I'm trying to show and demonstrate where people get it wrong, and then we're going to look at how the Scriptures teach it. Again, certain people contend that Antichrist is only towards the very, very end of time, right before Judgment Day. That little season. Yeah, yeah. So Hal Lindsey, we'll just use him as an example, and he's still alive and he's still teaching. I think he still has his own radio show, et cetera, maybe even still TV show. Who knows? I had no idea he was still alive. <clears throat> yeah, well, I think he is. In any event, so how Lindsay taught that 1981 would be the rapture, and of course, according to his eschatological time frame, immediately following the rapture, and if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, this is, this is in reference to 1 Thessalonians 4, which will be another day. We'll talk about that another day. Um, all the Christians on the face of the earth would be snatched up secretly and silently to heaven. Immediately after that, then a seven-year tribulation period would begin. And then at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, then the battle of Armageddon would be fought. And then a 1,000-year kingdom, and then the end, the final end. Now, what's interesting here is the seven-year tribulation period, this is when Hal Lindsey and, and people like Hal Lindsey have the same theological framework. They say this is finally when Antichrist shows up. Now, because Hal Lindsey's predictions didn't come true, we automatically now know that he's a false teacher and a false prophet. You're looking something up, Clint. Well, he's still alive. Yeah. Uh, he's 90 years old. How about that? Uh, he is, and according to Wikipedia, and we may want to unpack some of these words, uh, he is an American evangelic, uh, evangelist and Christian writer. He is a Christian Zionist and dispensationalist author and television host. Yeah, yeah. Zionist, of course, would, would be 1948 was when Israel became a nation again. Therefore, God's end times clock only started in 1948. We've, we've shown from Scripture that's simply not true. Secondly, Zionist in the sense that uh, uh, Jews, whether they believe in Jesus or not, will be saved. And again, we showed last time we talked how that, that's, that's simply not true. Paul in his letters... Uh, says that the true Israelite is one who's a believer in Jesus Christ. Dispensationalist, well, that's another day. Back to my original point. (coughs) The scriptures teach that the Antichrist started when Jesus came because the end times started when Jesus came. So um, one of the most most, uh, 
influential or most popular teachings in the New Testament about Antichrist is, of course, 2 Thessalonians. So let's go to that, folks. Go to 2 Thessalonians, and it's chapter 2. Now, Peter, in one of his epistles, he contends that some of the things that Paul wrote about are really hard to understand. This could possibly be it. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out while everybody's looking up 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Paul is going, to, what's interesting here, I'm finally getting to it. My fingers don't work. Old man fingers and thin Bible pages just don't work anymore. Those of us who were born after 1981 when the rapture is supposed to occur don't have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, side note, side note, during this exact time frame, see, I read The Late Great Planet Earth when it was published back in the the 70s. I read the, the, the 1980s Countdown to Armageddon, and it was all during this time frame. Guess who was president of the United States about this time? It was Ronald Wilson Reagan. And, of course, these false teachers and false prophets then say, do the math. How many, how many uh, letters in the name? Ronald, Wilson, Reagan. Ronald, six. Wilson, six. Reagan, six. And so guess what? They said, okay, Ronald, Wilson, Reagan is the Antichrist. I have never heard that before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronald Reagan, 666. Six, six. Oh, I yeah. have never heard that. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, I was immersed with this. I, I've, I've read Charles Ryrie and all of his stuff. I've read John Walvoord and all of his stuff. And those of you who are saying, oh, come on, Pastor Coleman, I don't know these men. Well, thanks be to God. Ignorance is bliss. But my point is I was totally immersed in this premillennial dispensationalism. Uh, and and I, I, I learned it well. I learned it very well. But I also know what the scriptures teach, and I know that premillennial dispensationalism is a crock. It's really a crock. And it's and by the way, you're it, saying it nicely. Well, <laughs> I'll put it. I'll put it even it's more. It's a shoe with holes in. It's antichrist. It's antichrist. Uh, as we've talked about in previous episodes, it's antichrist. Why? Because I, mean, I have to say this now. I can't leave that hang. I have to. I have to fill in the blanks. Remember that premillennial dispensationalists teach that when Jesus came, he came to set up a 1,000-year kingdom on this earth, uh, a utopia, like King David and King Solomon had only on steroids. And that was his offer to the Jews. That's why he came. That was plan A. That's always been God's plan A. Well, the Jews rejected that. And so then God had to put a different plan into place called the church age. Now, why do I say this is all Antichrist? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus then dying and rising from the dead was plan B, not kinda, plan A. Kind of goes against what uh, God himself said in Genesis and Exodus and all the rest of the Old Testament right. books because it se- sure seems like plan A is Jesus crucified and risen uh, from all the things that uh, God himself says with his own word. That's exactly right. This is always a problem, folks. I, I, I hope you're picking up what I'm throwing down, and I'm going to throw something else out. I'm going to throw another thing down. Christianity and the church always gets into trouble when they have presuppositions, whether it's philosophical or other theological presuppositions that they make up for themselves or their own ideas, and then they start to read the Bible. In other words, they, they have something in their mind that's really important, that's the sine qua non, And then they read the Bible, and then they force the Bible to say what their presupposition was. Now, I could go on and on and on about other examples. And we see that a lot with politicians 
who maybe have a, a very superficial understanding of Scripture, but they have a political thing that they want, whether it's uh, something to do with immigration or borders or sexuality or whatever, it doesn't matter. But then they will look for Bible passages that give the appearance to be supporting. Yeah. They don't care anything about the Bible. They don't know anything about the Bible, but they'll quote the Bible for their for their own political gain. I I refer to that as prostituting Scripture. Yeah, the 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 shameful thing about that is that we who are Christians oftentimes don't actually see through that. You know uh, that we don't actually call it on the carpet and say, "Look, we know you're just politician and you're using this the wrong way." So uh, we should know our Scriptures well enough to see through kind of all this political baloney. And- well, and, and this, this discussion here leads me to repentance because the old Adam and me, my old sinful nature, has an agenda, always has an agenda. And if my old Adam has its way, then I don't read Scripture properly. And so I have to repent of this as well. Now, back to what I was talking about. I hope this is, fun. I, this is, this is a ton of fun for me. I hope it is for you guys, and I hope it is for our listeners. Uh, we're looking at Second Thessalonians 2 about what Paul says about the Antichrist or the man of sin or the man of lawlessness. Now, keep in mind, folks, before we read 2 Thessalonians 2, that there are fundamental presuppositions from premillennial dispensationalists about the Antichrist, namely that the Antichrist is a political figure. So, for example, I'll use Hal Lindsey as my uh, foil again, or straw man. <laughs> okay. okay. Hal Lindsey taught that the, the Antichrist would come out of the European common market. And still many premillennial dispensationalists still teach this. Now, did you hear what I said, folks? Antichrist is a political figure. Secondly, it only occurs or happens towards the very end of time. Let's see if that's what Scripture actually says, shall we? Look at verse 1. So those are the presuppositions. Those are two. The two of the presuppositions that premillennial dispensationalists bring in, that Antichrist is a political figure and that uh, uh, when the Antichrist appears, the end is very, very close. Yeah, and it only happens towards the very, very end of time. So those are are the presuppositions. Now we're going to see what Scripture teaches. Yes. So verse 1. Adam, I'm going to let you read. You got it? Yep. 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Thessalonians 2. Or 2 Thessalonians 2. Excuse me. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by the Spirit or by a spirit or by a spoken word or a letter seeming to be for, from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now back up. The coming in verse 1, I believe in the Greek, is parousia, which is the reference to the last day. And I know that our best theologian, our Greek scholar, Adam Olin, is going to look this up and double check. But I'm pretty sure that's the Greek word. And as he's looking this up, notice what Paul then says in verse 3. It is parousia. Okay. Yep. Look, notice what he says in verse 3. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, namely the parousia, the last day, mm-hmm. will not come unless two things happen first. There's going to be an apostasy. That is to say, there's going to be a falling away, or as my Bible has in the ESV, a rebellion. That must come first, and then the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now, various Bible translations will say the man of sin, or even Antichrist, depending on the translation. RSV says man of lawlessness, or son of destruction. 
who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, according to Paul, where does, where does this man of sin, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, or Antichrist reign? The temple of God, he says. The church. Yeah, it's the church. This is not the European common market. This is a, this is a churchly figure. Now, you might say, oh, come on. The Antichrist coming from the church? That's what Paul says. So, Pastor, um, how, I mean, has this happened in the entire history of the United States, or is this a recent phenomenon that whoever the president of the United States is, is targeted as the Antichrist? Well. We know that now with. <laughs> Uh, President Trump. We heard that again and again with President Obama. We heard that again and again with uh, uh, with uh, President Bush, with Bill Clinton. We we in my lifetime, I had never heard that about Ronald Reagan before. So that takes it even farther back. Uh, is this a fairly new American kind of thing uh, that ties in with American evangelicalism or? Is this something that we've seen throughout history that people are confused and think of Antichrist as who's ever in political control? I, I think the confusion comes from the book of Revelation chapter 13 where there's actually two beasts and one of them does represent kind of political force in the world and the second one is the one that is in the church and is really the Antichrist and the two of them work together in the book of Revelation. So I think there's a confusion in that regard because people don't know their scriptures well. Yeah, oh my, hear the music. Well, we barely got started on this, so we'll come back after the break and have some more fun. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. We have observed that there are some people who say that Antichrist is only a very, very, towards the very end of time event or personage, namely like, you know, 1,007 years before the end of time because of their timetable, seven-year tribulation period, and then a 1,000-year reign. So really, the Antichrist only, only is around for seven years, you know, and then millennium, 1,000 years. So seven years is all you'll have of Antichrist. That's another fundamental presupposition that we didn't observe earlier. Okay, uh, that's not Often, true. Oftentimes referred to as the little season. Yeah, that's right. Now we're back into Second Thessalonians. Now again, one of the fundamental presuppositions of premillennial dispensationalists is, is that Antichrist is a political figure. Paul says that he takes his seat in the temple of God. That's verse four. So that right away takes care of that issue. If you read your Bible, He's a, this is a church thing. Now, I'll say more about that in a minute. Now, let's, let's keep reading. I can't do every detail here in all these, these verses, but I just want to observe, highlight a few things. Verse 5, don't you remember that when I was still with you, I told you about this? <laughs> I love that. He's already, he's already talked about this, see? And verse 6, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. Now, here's the kicker in verse 7. 
the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Namely, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, is already at work right now as Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonican congregation. Are you following this? So he's already at work, but he has not been fully revealed Correct. for who he is. Correct. Okay. Now, let's, let's well, let, let me finish Second Thessalonians, and we'll, we'll make some more observations. Again, verse 7, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who now restrains it will do so until he's out of the way. And then, now notice, so it's already at work in Paul's day. How long will it last? Look at verse 8. And the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. And again, this is a reference to the last day. So notice, folks, I'll just use this language. Antichrist begins in the apostolic age, and it will last until when? When Jesus returns in glory on the last day to judge the living and the dead. So we've made two observations just to review so that people understand the point. The, the Antichrist is a churchly figure. It happens in the church. It's already at work in Paul's day, and it will continue until Jesus destroys it and reveals it on the last day for everybody to see. You know. Now notice verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Satan with all the power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who don't believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now another quick point here. Uh, the Antichrist is it, it happens because of Satan. And that makes perfect sense because Satan always wants to have people uh, get involved with being against Christ. Now, let me illustrate worth, this. Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I want to illustrate this, the, the, the connection between Antichrist and Satan. And I can do it from the New Testament. <laughs> Hang on tight. Fasten your seatbelts, folks, because hardly anybody does this. I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm so smart. It's just... Watch how this works. The New Testament, this is taught in the New Testament. So you remember in Matthew 16, Jesus says, you know, the Son of Man will be betrayed. He'll be handed over. He'll suffer and die. And the third day, he'll rise again. And Peter says, and now my tongue is in my cheek when I say this. It's sarcastic. Peter, the first pope, <laughs> issues his first infallible encyclical. <laughs> again, tongue in cheek when I say this, folks, because some Christians say he's the first pope. So the first pope says, never, I will not allow it. This will never happen to you. In other words, Peter, the first pope says, as the first infallible pope, I issue my first infallible encyclical, which means as I sit on my throne, so this is ex cathedra, you will not die. You will not suffer. You will not die. You will not rise again. I forbid it. And Jesus turns on him and says, get behind me. Satan. See, Antichrist is already in our Lord's ministry. An apostle becomes Antichrist in Matthew 16. He opposes Christ. He stands against Christ. And the whole reason why Christ came to suffer, die, and rise again. Now, thanks be to God that Peter was repentant of this. Okay. <clears throat> I think it shows 
I mean, if we look at all of Scripture together, we see how Satan always works as he twists and changes and abuses God's Word, uh, and that's the same thing he did just in what you just read, right? Yes. Uh, Christ says, I'm going to go to the cross and die, and Peter opposes him and says, no, that's not true. Uh, and that's the same way all Antichrist works. Uh, they always are twisting God's Word, changing it, and saying it doesn't mean what it actually says, and um, that is spirit of Antichrist. And notice where it's happening. Is Peter a political official? He is not. He is in the church. He is one of the 12. Remember when you have 12 in the Bible, in the New Testament, we'll just restrict it there, 12 in the New Testament, the Lord's having a church. Now, I'm not denying that, you know, ministry. I'm not denying that. But 12 also means he's having a church. So Peter being one of the 12, and he was, he was the head of uh, the 12. He's, he spoke for them and, you know, et cetera. So he was the head. <laughs> and he's he becomes antichrist. In other words, in the church, just like Paul says in 2 Thessalonians that he takes his seat in the temple of God and Peter fits it to a bill. I'm he he is like Adam in the garden in Genesis 3, I call what you say Jesus evil. And now what I say, you're not going to suffer die and rise. That's good. See? See how this works? Now, let me give you another example of Satan, Antichrist in league with Satan, and it is a churchly thing. In 2 Corinthians, you remember, Paul had to deal with false preachers and those who claimed to be apostles, who were false apostles. That's This brings, we were talking during the break about certain pastors who all throughout the world, Protestant pastors now call themselves apostles, you know, that's another day. But Paul had to deal with false preachers and false apostles. And the verse I want to get to is verse 14 for the sake of time. He says, no wonder. Well, let's back up to verse 12. What I do, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do, namely the real apostles. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, here's the kicker, verse 14, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, but their end will correspond to their deeds. That was 2 Corinthians, what chapter, Pastor? 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Verse 14 is the kicker. Yes, uh, uh Check it out yourself. We're, we're not cooking up any words that aren't in uh, Holy Scripture. Point being that just as Paul says in that, we started with 2 Thessalonians 2 because that's the go-to for everybody to talk about the Antichrist. So I started there for the sake of the discussion. But what gets left out are the things that I'm bringing, the other parts. See, I, I said earlier, didn't I, that Peter in one of his epistles says that Paul has written some things that are really hard to understand. I, I think it might be. Second Thessalonians 2, because as we were you know, doing a flyby, a lot of things could be, well, what does he mean there? And I'm not going to get into that because we're just highlighting some things. So we'll just run with that. We'll just say that, yeah, that, that's a really hard part of Scripture to understand, some parts of it. So what we're going to do is we're going to let other clear parts of Scripture help us understand this even more. And we're doing that, aren't we? Absolutely. So when Paul says that this is in league, namely Antichrist, is in league with Satan, we are seeing how this works in the church, as Paul says, with an apostle who stands as the, the instant. By the way, you notice how Satan always works. God always works how? Through means. Physical, creaturely means. Even creatures. 
That, by the way, that takes us back to Genesis 3. I love this. You know, God always would, would take care of his creation, etc., through creatures, etc. So, and God would speak through. And, and so what does Satan do in Genesis 3? He takes the form of a creature. He apes God in order to deceive Adam and Eve creatures. So now Satan uses a creature in Matthew 16 to stand against Christ and be antichrist. And, and amazingly, he takes someone that you would never, ever think that could speak or utter a satanic thing, the head of the disciples of Jesus Christ, Peter himself. Yeah, so I hope this is helpful for people. Again, so when, 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 when we talk about Antichrist, this is something that began when Jesus had his ministry. Why? Because the last days began when Jesus came. Therefore, Antichrist begins at that time, and it will continue until the last time. And now you're pointing to a Bible passage. My plan is I'm getting there. Okay, I I'm, just I'm I want to I want to just make sure that we eventually get there. Yeah, we're going to go to First John four. We're also going to go to First John two as well. Uh, how much time do we have? Uh, we're we're good. We're good. Okay, all right. So I hope that's helpful. So uh, again, second Second Corinthians eleven, the false teachers. This is part of the satanic work of the devil. It is part of Antichrist. It happens where in the church. So one of the things that Paul had to deal with was, well, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat red meat. So therefore, I'm the Christian. You're not. Or I'm circumcised. You're not. So I'm the true Christian. You're not. These are the kind of things that Paul had to deal with in the early church. And this was Antichrist. Because it's, it isn't the fact that I'm circumcised doesn't save me. The fact that I don't eat red meat, that doesn't save me. It's faith alone in Jesus Christ. And these people were denying this central teaching of the Bible. And that's why Antichrist happens in the church. And going back to Second uh, uh, Thessalonians 2, just because someone claims to be a leader or an apostle and has signs and wonders, we are warned about false signs and false wonders, and uh, they're going to pay. These people are going to perish because they refused to love the truth and be saved. That's verse ten of Second Thessalonians two, and the truth of what we're talking about here. I mean, Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." My word is truth, and so we are talking about rejecting Christ and rejecting the clear words of Christ for this false stuff that is out there wherever it comes. Well, you know these signs and wonders. We think that these are going to be some kind of extravagant things. Maybe not. Here's what I'm thinking. Signs and wonders to deceive those. Let me give an example of a sign and wonder that the Antichrist uses to deceive people and, and they fall under his delusion, his spell. Uh, yeah, I'm all for faith, Antichrist would say. I'm all for faith. But faith alone in Jesus Christ doesn't save you. I think that's one of the signs and wonders. Why? Because, or here's <coughs> another example. This, this, whether you're Roman Catholic or whether you're a, a generic Protestant in the United States, you all teach free will. Namely, you're not saved until you make a decision for Jesus. And that's the crass Protestant view, not the Lutheran view, but the crass Protestant view. Roman Catholics also teach free will, not as crassly. Eh, some do. It depends on which school of thought you are in the Roman Catholic Church. But free will is finally what saves you. Okay? Well, that denies Christ, you see. But this is a, anything that, we ex that would exalt man, 
something that he does or doesn't do becomes a false sign and wonder. Why? Because you, look at what I did. Even their power over life and death? Yes. You yes. Mean, I, yes. Thinking things like... The televangelist you, stuff. God yes. creates a baby, but I can undo that uh, oh, with abortion. Okay. Or um, even I have the control over when I die. Uh, I'm going to die on my terms. Uh, all these things are signs and wonders, great powers over what God has given uh, that are actually being manipulated and misused. I hate to do this when we're so close to the end, but what about the uh, person who says, well, our church is really growing. We have lots of members and lots of money, and your church isn't, so we must uh, we must have the truth. and uh, Test the spirits, John says. Test the spirits. More, we have a little bit more meat on that bone, so stay Lutheran, my friends.